Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, this Sunday morning in August. Ours is a community created by all people of goodwill who walk through our doors. And there is a place for you here. Whoever you are, however you're feeling, whatever your path in life, wherever you are going, and whoever you choose to travel the path of love and relatedness with. Our Unitarian faith, it calls us not to unite through shared beliefs, for, for our beliefs differ and may change through the course of our living. No, ours is a faith defined by shared values, shared principles, the way we choose to live our lives. And today's service considers the principle of justice. Rosemary Bray McNatt writes, by no means are we Unitarian and Unitarian Universalists perfect. We fail as much as we succeed, yet, yet we return to this essential work of justice and liberation for all. And we do the work best when we remember what church is and what it's not. Church is not a place to hide. It's not a place to get away from the world. It's not a place where we get to pretend that the lives we live and the situations we're in are not terribly complex, often confusing, sometimes depressing, no, church is the place where we stand with one another, look the world in the eye and an attempt to see clearly and gather strength to face what we see with courage and yes, hopefully with joy. So let's breathe that in. Church as a place where we stand with one another, looking the world in the eye, attempting to see clearly and gathering strength to face what we see with courage, and yes, if we can, with joy. So our chalice flame is lit, its single flame, a symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. May its simple flame remind us of the one light of the spirit shining in all that exists. And in our remembering, May we affirm once more our commitment to love and justice and equality the world over. And today, our chalice is shining a particularly warm welcome to our Unitarian visitors from the Czech Republic, over there in the corner. <laughs> from the historic congregation in Prague, the Reverend Peter Simoski and Kristina Lederova. <gasps> I've been practicing that for ages. <laughs> And that leads us into a time of prayer and reflection. May the spirit of compassion help us, help us to feel the, the sufferings of the peoples and the creatures of this world. May the, may the spirit of love melt cold hearts 
that trample on human rights. May the spirit of beauty help us to preserve the unique splendour of each country. May the spirit of wisdom help us to treasure the mystical insights of all the world's religions. May the spirit of patience and endurance strengthen those who are oppressed and are exiled from their homes. May the spirit of courage strengthen those who speak for those who have no voice. And may the spirit of unity help us to recognise our oneness with all people and all of creation. And in the spirit of justice, I invite you now to send your thoughts and prayers where you feel there is a need, be that places within yourself, in those you love or in our wider world. And may the blessing of love and compassion be with all beings this day. Amen. Uh, there's a, a story now, um, Watch Dogs for Justice, although in truth it only involves one dog. And I was really pleased that we have Bonnie here as an example of a very small dog, because from... Bonnie's smallness, you can get a sense of what a really, really, really big dog might be like. And the story is told of um, a king who cared for nobody but himself. He'd grown so rich from the high taxes he forced his people to pay, and they had become poorer and poorer. He lived in a gorgeous palace while the poor people who built that palace for him lived in tumble-down huts. And the king's table was heaving with delicious foodstuffs. Most of his people only had one meal a day, and they were often hungry. That heartless king did not care. If he had what he wanted, well, that was enough for him. And then one day, a hunter came to the palace gate, intending to teach that heartless king a lesson, and the hunter brought with him an enormous dog. Now the king liked hunting, and he was fascinated by that hunting dog. So the hunter and the dog were welcomed into the palace grounds. But you know, that dog was no ordinary dog, and her bark was like the roar of thunder. The first time she opened her mouth and barked, the awful noise shook the very palace itself, frightened the king and all his courtiers. Well, if the dog had stopped with one or two barks, that might have just been that. But again and again, that fierce roaring shook the palace. Nobody could bear the noise. 
And the king was desperate and he sent for the hunter. Why is your dog making that deafening noise? Ah, well, the dog's hungry, replied the hunter. So immediately the king ordered a great big plateful of meat. And in no time at all, that plateful of meat had been eaten and the dog was barking again. It went on and on, the filling of the plate and the dog licking her lips and then barking again. Eventually the king thought, I've had enough of this. You and your dog are going to leave the palace at once. We can't endure this noise any longer. Ah, said the hunter, your majesty, we've been sent to you by one greater than you are. We're here to stay. The king was actually frightened, perhaps for the first time in his life. Nobody had ever spoken to him like that before. And so he asked a little nervously, will nothing satisfy the hunger of your enormous dog? Well, said the hunter, nothing that is easy for you to give your majesty. But do you know that in your kingdom there are a few rich people who are eating all the food and who are not sharing it with those who do the work in the field to make the food grow? As a result, there are people who are always hungry, hungry every single day of their lives. This dog feels the hunger of every person in this kingdom who does not have enough to eat. As long as even one person is hungry, this dog will be hungry and she will keep barking. Hmm. The king was worried, went to his advisers to ask for advice and was told two simple courses of action. One was to kill the dog, but nobody dared to kill that enormous dog. They feared the consequences. And the other was, we'd better feed everyone in the kingdom and stop people being hungry. So the king, a bit reluctantly, said to his courtiers, go, go, open all the store cupboards of my palace and spread the food about the land. And so it came to pass that eventually, in every household where somebody had been hungry, there was now enough food to eat. And you know, at last there came a day when the enormous dog really did stop barking and lay down quietly beside the king's chair, because at last the dog, the watchdog, was satisfied. All the people in that kingdom were happy at last. And for the next few years, the enormous dog and the hunter stayed by the king's side to make sure that he kept to his new ways. And eventually, after barking once more, just to remind him once and for all of the, about the importance of justice, the hunter and the dog left. Off to another place where somebody needed to understand what justice means. And when I read that story originally, what I thought was that we probably need a few watchdogs for justice in our own society right now. Watchdogs that keep making a great big noise until justice is truly done. And that is the story of the watchdogs for justice. 
and it says in the order of service that we're going to be dividing the cake but I'm going to save that for a little bit later because I haven't checked with Kyra what she had for breakfast this morning so I don't know Kyra which of us you or me had the bigger breakfast what do you think I'll find out later many people dream of a more just world and some people actually manage to bring at least some of their dreams to reality even in the most difficult of circumstances in honor of our czech visitors today i'm going to tell you about a woman called lotta hitchmanova who was born in the city of prague in 1909 in what is now the czech republic their family's nanny spoke to the children in Czech, the language of the local people. Their governess spoke to them in French, and their mother and father spoke to them in English, German, Italian, or Spanish, depending on the day, which to me sounds like heaven. Lotta studied Greek and Latin at school. Learn to speak with different people, her mother said, and you will go far. When Lotta was 23, she traveled to France and studied political science and journalism at the Sorbonne. But in 1938, soon after she came home to Prague, the Nazis invaded her country. It's not fair, she wrote, for them to take our country and our homes. But the Nazis could not be stopped, and Lotta, who was Jewish, had to leave her country, fleeing first to Belgium and then to France. There, she worked with the Unitarian Service Committee, helping other people leave Europe, speaking to them in their own languages. When the Nazis invaded France, the Service Committee helped Lotta to escape. In 1942, she sailed to Canada, where she settled in Ottawa and joined a Unitarian church. But Lotta did not forget the people who were still in Europe, the people caught in the terrible war. With her knowledge of many languages, she translated documents and letters, helping her new country fight the Nazis. She traveled around Canada, speaking at churches and at public meetings, asking for food and medicine and blankets and clothing to send to the people whose countries were being destroyed by war. 1945 saw the end of the war, but the need for help didn't end. Millions of people in Europe, many of them children, were hungry or wounded and had nowhere to live. Lotta Hitchmanova helped to create the Unitarian Service Committee of Canada and her work went on. We have so much, she told the people in Canada. The war refugees have nothing, and that's not fair. Canadians gave money and food and clothes, and Lotta took it all to Europe to share. There she gave the people what she had. Then she asked them what they needed to take care of themselves. We must first listen, Lotta said, and then we help. In time, people in Europe rebuilt their countries, but other places and people were still being shattered by war, by drought and by disease. Japan, Korea, Vietnam, India, Bangladesh, Lesotho and Greece, Jordan, Palestine, Botswana, Indonesia and Nepal. 
just some of the countries that Lotta traveled to in her 35 years of asking people in need what help she and the people of Canada could give them. Lotta Hitchmanova devoted her life to helping others. She never married, and she never had children of her own, but she was known as the mother of a thousand orphans, and she created a legacy of love and fairness that lasts until this day. As we listen now to some music for meditation, let's imagine a world where more people are drawn to the work of justice building. a time of meditation now there'll be a short spoken meditation and then there'll be about three minutes of silence and that's brought to an end with a chime from our bell so settle yourselves in any way that you like to maybe feeling your feet on the floor or aware of your body resting in a chair the earth beneath us the busy sounds of 
London, or not so busy today, sounds of London outside on the streets and the sounds that there always are when a group of people gather together, yet able to focus inwards on our own thoughts, allowing the gentle rhythm of our breathing to settle us. Not able really ever to stop the buzzing of our minds, but perhaps able to focus for a while on our own, our own dreams of justice. We all have our particular dreams, our causes, the things that really matter to us in this world. I invite you in this time, if you wish, just gently, to consider the matters that are important to you, the justice issues that you care about, that you would like a watchdog to bark about, perhaps. What are your dreams, your dreams of justice? Um, It's a big word, justice. Well, I know it's only got seven letters in it, so it's a smallish sort of a word, but with a lot of meaning attached to it. I I like the quotation that we've used on the order of service um, today at the front, which says that justice has to do with how we harmonise our ways of being together how we create peace and happiness amongst us. Those words come from a book called The Mystic Heart of Justice, Restoring Wholeness in a Broken World. And that's written by Denise Breton and Stephen Lehman. And the very title of that book sums up for me some of the work that I think is required of us. Restoring wholeness in a broken world. So what what might guide us in this work of justice? One of my dreams would be of a fairer distribution of needed resources. And you have been spared the sight of Kyra and me grappling with a very large biscuit to show that there are many different ways of sharing a biscuit. And one way is to share it equally in two equal halves. And that's that's one thing, isn't it? We like equality. But there's another way of cutting a biscuit, and that is fairly rather than equally, because 
I was hoping that Kyra and I would have had very different sized breakfasts, but it turns out I had a bowl of muesli and Kyra had two yogurts. And to me, those are roughly equal breakfasts, although we didn't get onto the drinks. And if any other snacks were involved, I'm going to be discussing this further later with her. But imagine a breakfast where somebody's had the full English, maybe somebody who's been staying in a lovely London hotel and they've had a four-course breakfast this morning and somebody else only got a banana because they were rushing out of the door. Well, in that case, I think the person who only had the tiny breakfast needs the bigger bit of biscuit, etc., etc. We'll be working on this. I hope you're going to stay for tea and coffee after the service today because I have got lots more biscuits for us to experiment with. Now, have you got a hymn sheet? in front of you. So I did have one. Oh, here it is. It, it, you'll find a piece that's got some statistics and I'm going to read them out and, and you'll, you'll perhaps know this way of looking at our world. It's imagining that we live in a global village of 100 people. Now these statistics come from Daniel Grudy's book, Globalisation, Spirituality and Justice. Um, and, and they were written a few years ago, but they remind us of something well, we already know far too well, don't we? That ours is an unfair world and that the gap between rich and poor is just far too great. So in our global village of 100 people, the resources are unevenly distributed. The richest person in the village, I don't know which of you would like to play that part today, the richest person in the village has as much as the poorest 57 taken together. 50 people do not have a reliable source of food and are hungry some of the time. 30 people in the village actually suffer from malnutrition. 40 do not have access to adequate sanitation, 31 people live in substandard housing, 31 do not have electricity, 18 people are unable to read, and 15 do not have access to safe drinking water. Only 16 people have access to the internet, only 12 own an automobile, three are migrating, and I wonder if that number has increased in recent years. Only two people have a college education. Overall, 19 people are struggling to survive on $1 a day or less, and 48, that's nearly half, struggle to live on $2 a day or less. In brief, as the World Bank describes it, two-thirds of this planet lives in poverty. Now, I think some of those figures will have changed in the last 10 years, some of them for the better, some of them for the worse. And I know that quite a few of those sorts of statistics have really quite dramatically improved in my lifetime and in your lifetimes. More people have access to clean water, more girls are being educated. Fair trade and microcredit projects have really improved some people's lives in developing countries. I wonder what improvements you are particularly aware of in the life of the world. Now, those changes that I mentioned came about because certain people raised awareness of the problems. Some people are the brave, barking watchdogs 
of our story that we heard earlier on, prepared to make a deafening noise until the suffering of the hungry was recognised and acted upon. We need watchdogs, don't we, for the cause of justice, telling us what is wrong. And then we need people of action like Lotta Hitchamananova, whose uh, life was spent in fundraising for those in need the world over. And the Lotta Hitchmananovas of this world need ordinary people, which I think is probably most of us. We're needed to spread the word, to give publicity, to raise money, to collect blankets, whatever is needed by a particular cause at a particular time. These are small actions from each of us that can add up to a big result. Now, we'll each have our own particular dreams of justice. And I wonder what are the issues that you particularly care about. It's worth sharing these dreams with others, isn't it? Knowing that together we can achieve so much more than we ever will do on our own. And yes, yes, we know that there is so much despair in our world. And sometimes we can just only bear witness only sit and weep at the world's injustices. But then there are the days when our strength returns and we roll up our sleeves and we do what we can, joining with others in cooperation and compassion to move our world towards greater justice for all. No longer then just a dream, but rather a possibility, a reality worked towards by all of us who care for others as well as ourselves. Amen.
There is too much hardship in this world to not find joy every day. There is too much injustice in this world to not right the balance every day. There is too much pain in this world to not comfort one another every day. Each of us ministers to a weary world. So let us go forth now and do that which calls us to make this world more loving, more compassionate and more filled with the grace of the divine presence every day. Amen. Go well and blessed be. Thank you.